Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up? Hi, how are you doing today? This fine afternoon or evening or morning or whenever you're listening to it. You know, I would like to know what time you like to listen to the show because uh, I tend to post these like, you know, like whatever, morning-ish on Wednesdays. And, uh, you know, sometimes maybe people are like, yo, why don't you post it on Wednesday night? So, you know, email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. And you'll be speaking to me, Ray Harkins. No one else answers those emails. That is just me. And we are here talking independent music, hanging out with people who have been affected by it in a major way. As I look at my thousands and thousands of records up on my wall here in my office, because uh, I, it's just... You know, music is such an interesting thing where, uh, you know, when you make friends with uh, civilians and people who haven't been like all consumed by, you know, the independent weirdness that we have, 
it's uh it it, it kind of just blows my mind sometimes like i i was uh, i was talking with a friend recently who is, is a friend i made through the church that i attend and uh he uh is a big fan of like five finger death punch which you know i i know the band and i'm not i'm not you know throwing throwing stones at them they are a hard-working band they have uh, risen to levels of success success that i can uh you know i i've never have achieved myself but more on that in a minute you came to listen to my guest, right? And my guest this week is Leander Gloversmith. He is a great friend of mine, manages bands. I met him when he was managing Architects uh, when I was working at Century Media Records. And him and I formed a very, very fast connection just because uh, him and I had a lot of music, same similar musical sensibilities. And uh, we've only grown closer over time, and he's just a, a great human being. Now he manages bands like Neck Deep, as it is, under the uh, KMGMT, King Man- or I can't remember exactly what the, K- Kaminsky Management, yeah, that's what it is. So uh, yeah, but he is very successful at that, and it's awesome to see that. So he was over in the States, and uh, we were going to hang out, and I was like, you know what? Let's podcast. Let's, let's do this. I wanted to have him on for quite some time, because managers are an interesting breed. Each one has their kind of individual approach to how they deal with bands. You know, sometimes they um, remain kind of, you know, a business professional and like not really creating, they create a relationship, but like a working relationship as opposed to Leander, who, you know, is very, very involved with the band's decisions from branding and everything else all the way down to, um, yeah, just like, you know, being a, a personal advice giver <laughs> to the band members of the bands that he manages. So it's really interesting. And we get into that plus a bunch of other stuff. And you need band merch, right? We all need band merch. I wear band shirts basically every single day of my life. And Rockabilia will be the outfitter of your choice. They have half a million items over there. They got short sleeves, long sleeves, sweaters, scarves. Well, they may have scarves. I actually haven't looked to see if they have scarves, but they most likely do. They got posters. They got everything you possibly need. And I want to give you 15% off by using the code PCJabberJaw. If you've been hearing this and you haven't ordered yet, what is holding you up? They have great customer service, super fast shipping, and it's co-owned by a hardcore punk kid. It's just, I cannot feel more uh, connectivity to this company. They are great at what they do, and they will have you outfitted in great band merch immediately okay like you've probably seen their stuff other places but trust me rockabilly is the real real deal so order them order from them pc jabberjaw will give you 15 percent off so like i was saying dealing with with uh, normal people in regards to music so a friend of mine likes five finger death punch and um you know i was like how do you listen to you know music do you like listen to the radio or what what and so he was like uh or or no i asked him actually i said do you you know use a streaming service and he was like no i just uh you know kind of pop on youtube or just listen to the radio and anytime i get that that interaction with somebody i'm always reminded at the stark contrast that people like us have with music and then people that like music that is kind of, you know, sort of given to them, not in a bad way. They just interact with music in a much different way than we do the obsessive nature that we have. And so anyway, he, I was, I, I threw him, I actually sent him yesterday, a, uh, the Menzingers record that came out last year, um, after the party. And it like, I was like, okay, let's, let's test the waters. Cause I don't want to give him something like, you know, too aggressive. That'll be like, Whoa, Ray, like I'm, I'm not really ready for this. So um, he was like, what did he say? He said that it was, it, it sounded like it would be a soundtrack. Granted, I just sent him one song, so he didn't listen to the whole record. Um, 
and I sent him the After the Party song, which is an incredible song. But he said, I'm reminded of like, a, this could be in a soundtrack for a millennial movie. And I was like, oh, interesting. I obviously view the Menzingers in a very different light than you do, devoid of context. He's just listening to the music. And so then I started to dig. I was like, are you looking for something like aggressive? What, what have you been listening to a lot recently? And then he was like, Alter Bridge, Shine Down, Five Finger Death Punch. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like the way that people consume music is, um, you know, from the, the, the civilian standpoint is, uh, you know, they try to find bands uh, that are, you know, of the same genre that are, you know, very slightly removed in the same way that we do. I'll be clear. Like, you know, if you put a metalcore band in front of me, I'll listen to that nine times out of 10 and be stoked on it. So, but yeah, it's just interesting. So I, I don't know. I would love to hear your personal experience uh, about, you know, dealing. And when I say dealing, I make it sound like it's like some burden. But uh, when you're interacting with people who uh, have a different relationship with music, and, you know, if you're trying to like, you know, kind of guide them along in a way, uh, I, how do you do that? You know? And so I'm actually trying to wrap my head around, like, do I, do I send my friend like quicksand? Will he, will he be into quicksand? Or like, I don't, I don't know. Like you, because last thing you want to do is send a person off, you know, in the wrong direction where you're like, Oh, I, I recommend this band. They're like, Oh man, that band sucks. Like what is, what is Ray trying to give me? Like all the bands that he's probably into are terrible. <laughs> so anyways, there's, there's a little, uh, snapshot of some of my obsessive thoughts when it comes to music. <laughs> And I'm sure some of you have uh, that similar relationship as well. But anyways, like I said, Leander, great friend, great chat. We uh, did it up in his hotel room in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, this is uh, what transpired. So I will talk to you after the episode is, of course, over to tell you who is up next week. Okay, bye. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was when I was at Century Media. You were working with right. architects. Yep. Um, and I, I remember, obviously, going over to the UK to hang out with you guys. But I remember, like, even before we had, like, officially met in person, I felt like we really, like, we just hit it off right mm-hmm. away. Like, it was like, oh, like, you know what's up. And, like, mm-hmm. I know what's up. And mm-hmm. it just felt, it felt very seamless. Yeah, for sure. Like, but you, you remember, like, before we actually met, we were already, like, pretty 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 bro task yeah, yeah yeah we were i think the first time we actually met was in germany that's right yeah it, architects was on tour with bring me the horizon you're right and um you you and i want to say jens that's right okay that's right yeah because um, we were over there for some conference or whatever yeah maybe that, steve joe yeah 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 that's right came over and we, you came to the architect's show. I can't remember what German town it was. Yeah, I can't remember either. But we met there. That's right. But we'd already, like, I don't know, we, yeah, we just hit it off. Yeah. And it was at that show that I realized that you were in Taken. Right, that's right. And I was previously already a Taken fanboy. <laughs> that's, it, it, it worked out perfectly. Yeah. But I, I, it was, and I'm sure you've encountered this so many times throughout working in the industry, where it's just like, there are certain people where it's just like, you immediately step into, like, they're an old pair of shoes, or you're mm-hmm. just like, I feel like I've known you, but we just mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. How does how does that happen? I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I feel like maybe there's a, a sort of commonality uh, when people come up through certain sectors of culture, mm-hmm. and uh, I tend to find like there's a little like a little checklist. Like, oh, if a, if a guy, uh, if someone likes sort of quicksand and handsome right. and glass jaw and also like you know 
at you know some of the the heavier stuff and yeah then there's probably going to be like a cultural uh similarity right i think and i think you kind of naturally find an affinity with each other yeah you definitely um, do yeah especially when you find yeah it, like you have those bands and then like if you go one level deeper then you're just be like oh you know that band too and then you go like right. three levels deeper and then you're just like oh my gosh we're meant to be yeah for me it's always like if someone has heard of handsome i'm like oh sick <laughs> We'll probably be friends. It, 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 Someone it, who goes, yeah, ha- the handsome record doesn't go handsome. Right, handsome. Yeah. yeah right, you know. <laughs> and I, I remember accidentally seeing Handsome. They played with, it was like Strife, Voodoo Glow Skulls. Or no, not Voodoo Glow Skulls. It was this huge show. Like, the Handsome had no business playing. But, like, that, you know, it was, night, it was Descendants. Descendants, mm-hmm. Strife, Handsome, and then someone else. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I mean, they were incredible. I only sort of heard quicksand like i was like i like quicksand but i was just like oh handsome and then I was, oh yeah i was yeah. into handsome before i was into quicksand it was oh, actually yeah it was oh perfect. reversal yeah. yeah so i was writing a zine and handsome did that record through sony yeah and i was on the i was on like a sony mailing list um getting stuff for like corn i'd done like an interview with corn for a zine and sure. in the 90s this was midnight mid 90s like 95 i guess uh-huh and as part of the the mail out uh, from, from the label, I got sent this handsome record, and right. I had no idea who they were. And it was like, cool, put it on, loved it, and it was actually sort of reverse, going backwards. You're like, how did where did these guys? Yeah, come from? so going backwards through handsome was how I found helmet and and quicksand. Right, that's amazing. Yeah, and uh, but <laughs> I had it handsome only toured in the UK once ever, uh-huh. and I didn't go. Sure, <laughs> I had a ticket. But I got a chest infection. I didn't go. Oh. And I was like, oh, I'll catch him next time. Right, yeah. There's, <laughs> I'll catch him next time. Nope, that's not happening. Not happening, yeah. I have no idea. one of my regrets. I have no idea what the singer of that band is doing. Absolutely no idea. No idea. There's certain people. He was in, what was the band he was in? Ice, Ice, no. It was Ice, Ice Age, I want to say something like that. Yeah, I can't, I. It, it, it was some weird. It's thing. weird how certain people just like completely fall off like your radar. We were just like. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they did something else, but, like, you just didn't hear about oh, it. Oh, do you know what? When Helmet first reformed... when No, when Helmet was touring Size Matters, okay. he was playing bass for them. Really? Yeah, I'm I pretty didn't... sure Okay, I saw them with, this, with the singer of Handsome playing bass. Dude, that's... <laughs> talk <laughs> talk about a super group. Like, yeah. you're just like, but you were, you're an amazing singer. <laughs> yeah. You're playing bass. He was an amazing singer. It's yeah. so weird that... Yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah something did didn't happen with him. But it, I think you, you really hit on the appropriate descriptor of how people, like, that do have those, like, those, those check marks. Where especially, mm-hmm. and I think, too, where it's like, if you've contributed a lot to music in the way of either you know playing in bands or doing zines or whatever like there's that immediate like oh like you don't care about money so like we already yeah when you're like a creative and you're sort of woven into the fabric of it and you're sort of partaking in it i think there's a a kinship that comes through people that that collaborate in music in some capacity whether it's you know you're a you're you tour with bands or right or you're doing a zine or you're, you're doing artwork or whatever right um and I think that's cool. And like, I was never particularly connected to, I mean, the UK doesn't really have a, a hardcore scene mm-hmm. history in the sense like America does. Absolutely. Like, there's nothing like the DC scene or the New York scene. No, no, no. Orange County scenes that, that we don't have that. I right. Mean, we have a, an okay hardcore scene now. Yes. But it's a, it's nothing like how the, the, the history is nothing like what, what you guys had. Totally. So I was never sort of affiliated to a, 
a community like that. Right. But um, sort of the, I found that through certain kinship with certain artists and then, yeah, like you say, interactivity. Yeah. With the community. Right. Um, I wouldn't call myself like, a, you know, people come from the hardcore community. Right. You know? I'm sure you kind of, kind of came up through that, through Taken. But Absolutely. Yeah. But like um, for, for me and the kind of people that I was connecting with, it was always the people that were going that step further, not just buying the Iron Maiden CD right. and going, oh, that's cool. Right, yeah. I'll listen to this. <laughs> totally. It was always the people that were going that little bit further in. Yeah, the d- digging deeper. Yeah. But I mean, too, this is something I was going to bring up later where it is interesting, like, you know, the, the UK has always been such a, a uh, interesting music scene because mm. it's like, you know, I mean... Th- it seems like a, a, a fever takes over the country mm-hmm. in regards to a certain style of music where mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, there are certain bands that, uh, you know, like completely break over there. Machine and, Head. Right, and, like, and then no one, or, I mean, Machine Head's a bad, I mean, a bad example for the thing I was going to say, but like that, like they never break in the States, yeah. but they're like massive in the UK. Right. And then like, and then there are certain genres of music that just completely, like, you know, new metal, like completely overtook the UK. Oh my God. I mean, not like it didn't do it in the States, but oh, like... it was crazy in the UK. Right. It was, uh, it was actually... The new Metal was the first time I stopped feeling like I liked a counterculture. Sure. Um, up until that happened, I was, you know, I was that one of... If I look at, like, my high school photo, mm-hmm. I'm like, there's me and there's the two other metal dudes. Right, right. You know? <laughs> totally. Like, it was not a thing. Right. Um, we were the only guys with long hair that liked Pantera, Metallica, or whatever. It was just not... It was a weirdo culture still. Sure. To, like, Nirvana. It, sure. I came up through in the sort of b- wake of the Nevermind, the Black Album, when that stuff was, like, mainstreaming, but the cultures that were kind of... The subcultures underneath it. Right. So the Seattle grunge scene and whatever, those were still... Those were the countercultural scenes. Sure. Um, and... Then uh, new metal happened. When I first discovered Corn, it was through an MTV Headbangers Ball thing, and they seemed like a cool weirdo yeah, art band. Absolutely, and I was like, "This band is dope!" Right. And then within two years, it was this really weird jock bro mainstream event. Right. Every, like all these guys at, uh, at my college were wearing like Corn hoodies and and white zombie hoodies, limp biscuit shirts and stuff. And it was like, what's happening? Right. Yeah. You're, you're like, I felt like this was mine for a minute, yeah. but like now it's not even remotely yeah, close to being really weird. And then, and then corn obviously went weird and right. Right. And yeah. By, by, by the time Lincoln park came out, I was out. Sure. I checked out. Right. And, uh, and discovered more. I discovered Glassjaw, which kind of opened. Yeah. A whole they new... were my entry band into like hardcore, I guess. Sure. Actually. Sure. Uh, them and sick of it all right it kind of opened the door it was scratch the surface and uh and actually vod of course uh scratch the surface and the vod record and then glass Draw, and they kind of were my you entry level bands into discovering this other world right yeah yeah you're like and oh there's the, weird art over yeah, under this rock it's, too feels much more serious and mm-hmm. suddenly i was looking back at, at the new metal bands the early new metal bands that I'd liked, like Corn and like even early Limp Bizkit, mm-hmm. early Incubus and stuff, and it all sure. just seemed like really goofy to me. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, I was just like, "This is like cartoon music." <laughs> it's like yeah. kid stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like kid, kids' music, and I was at nineteen, 
And I never, tr- I don't think I ever became like a elitist snob or anything. But I was, I started getting very like, let's put new metal in the closet. Of course. We? Well, you get yeah. <laughs> as a, as a kid, you definitely. I mean, because it's still at nineteen, you're a kid. Like you swing so violently towards these things where you're just like. Oh no! Like I, go I, away, right? Like I'm I'm not that into that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then, but then you know whatever. But I was really into it. I had the I had the hair, the little the like the Brian Head Welch. Oh, beautiful the grid, sure. top knot hair. <laughs> yeah, of course. I had that. Yeah, that's amazing. I was going to college with that hair. Sure, you were. You, you were. I was like, I look cool. Right. I didn't look cool. You're like I'm edgy. Yeah, I, I looked awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, re- reflecting on you and as a as a, as a person, yeah. so you were you were obviously you were, you were born and raised in England. England, yeah, yeah. Born and raised in Brighton, so my uh, uh, my mom, my mother is German. Okay, um, very German. Uh, has never really fully acclimatized <laughs> to been, being been English. there for many years. And oh just... yeah, has lived in England since seventy three or so. Okay, and uh, no chance of her being English at all. <laughs> okay, like she's just still fully in her German ways. Sure, and. Uh, and uh, I was, yeah, grew up sort of in between uh, Germany and and England. Okay, but kind of identified myself as English, sure. I guess, when I was about thirteen or so. I okay, think that's kind of where I was like, yeah, I feel like the, this is where I'm. I'm I feel gonna, like this is this, this is, is home. where I live. Right, you know? right. Before that, I I had a much more of a floaty. Uh, sure. Kind of sense of of home. I think it was right. like oh, sometimes we're in England, sometimes we're in Germany. Got it. And it was like in in those early teen years, and it, it kind of came with the discovery of music and mm-hmm. a music based friendship group. Though I was like, yeah, but yeah, born and raised ultimately. Sure, it's, it's the long and short of it. And you were uh, you were an only child, or you have only child? That's what I thought. Um, my I have a my dad um, raised. He adopted a. a, a an, a boy called Troy. Okay. Um, in the sixties. Okay. And he raised him with his previous wife. Got it. Um, so technically uh, kind of half-ish brother, even half-ish though. Half-ish brother, but I didn't meet him until I was like 11. Okay. Got um, it. So, um, but he was like a, a proper punk. He was like, Oh, okay. he was into like discharge nurse with wound. Oh, sure. Like really yeah. out there. <laughs> totally. You know, minor threats, like a pop band to him. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, that DC Hardcore stuff, whatever. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Too, too poppy for me. I don't know yeah. why he's singing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. To ha- especially to have that, like, I mean, you, you, no matter what, as a kid, you're always looking up to older people and, yeah. like, their opinions are weighty. Yeah. And then when that gets expressed, it's kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and he played me, like, Napalm Death, uh, <laughs> You Suffer, that kind of stuff, like, yeah. for the first time. Like, when I was first getting into metal and I... You know, I like Metallica and Pantera, and he was right. like, "Have you heard this?" Yeah, you're and like, "I'm not ready for that." I'm not. I, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, it was a. It was a few years before I got into like the, the much more extreme. Stuff. Sure. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta ease up into yeah. that. I'm still listening to the stuff that you know, like, essentially has verses and choruses. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, only child uh, raised an only child. Yeah. Sure. Um, and I mean, most people, especially in America, have this very sort of, you know, pastoral view like of England in general, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, like there's London and there's a large city. And like, you know, of course, yeah, there's like Manchester and Brighton. And there's, but, but like, you know, you essentially live out in a farm with like a bunch of green hills and like <laughs> that. I mean, that that's kind of like I, I'm just sort of exaggerating oh, yeah. the American no, I thought. Actually, that is how I live. Yeah. OK, there you so, go. <laughs> uh, the house that the, the house I grew up in, yep. which is now the house. 
I live in again. You live in again, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the house I grew up in is literally, uh, it's in a little village and there's the seafront. There's like the seaside, Uh which is very quaint. Sure. Uh, little British seaside town. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they they just have fish and chips and some pubs. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then I live on this road that that is a dead end. It ends in farm fields. Mm -hmm. I'm surrounded by farmland. And we're like the the road that leads to the farmland. Okay, so, so you're like the last stop and last stop in town, so to speak. Yeah. So there's yeah. like grazing cattle opposite my house. Sure. Um, and hay bales and farms. It's, and it's the whole experience. Beekeepers and whatever. <laughs> it's it is quite pastoral. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a, a long way from sort of city living. Right. I, and because I grew up there, like London always seemed really too intense. Sure. The hustle and bustle. Yeah. 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 That's. I mean. It, I do. I mean, I think anybody that that doesn't experience that and then like doesn't, you know, if you only have one experience or the other, you're not really like, you know, seeing both sides of I mean, I know that sounds obvious, but just like, oh, yeah, like there this is a nice way to live. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to live in a city, you can do that, Mm -hmm. too. But like if you have one or the other. It's like, you know, you're, you're missing out on a yeah, hole. I had Brighton on my doorstep and, and Brighton always seemed like the more interesting town sure. than London to me. Right. Um, it wasn't as intense and you could kind of get around it easier. Right, right, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, and uh, and there is a kind of, uh, there's a bit of a Brightonian sort of persona. Sure. And that's, yeah, the architects guys will kind of have that. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and... and there was there was definitely a sort of a Brighton cultural, Brighton alternative person. Sure, uh, that was different to the the sort of harder edged, sure. like London persona. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, especially when you have like, you know, the dueling communities of mm-hmm. like these, especially as arts are coming out, where it's just like, yeah, that's the big city stuff. Like we yeah. got the we get the real cool stuff here. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Brighton gets compared favorably to places like San Francisco and oh, sure. Portland and, and it's right. that kind of counterculture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was a vegan capital before right. veganism was like <laughs> a, thing. a yeah. thing, you know, uh, it's, it's an artsy town. Right. Right. Um, and it's kind of woven into its history. It was, it was, a, 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 probably the queen that we still have now, sure. but like, <laughs> It was her favorite when she was younger, or maybe her mother. Okay. I think maybe it was her, actually the Queen Mother. Um, it was her favorite holiday resort. Oh, okay. And so her, like, traveling entertainers mm-hmm. all went there to, okay. like, please her. Sure. Uh, and so Brighton has this kind of history right. of artisan. Sure, sure. So all, like... It's baked into the country. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, generations of painters jesters actors writers entertainers because they were all there as the queen's court sure and then it's just kind of just perpetuated from there that's incredible um and so then uh, you know as you started to uh you know grow older and Mm -hmm. because you're an only child you don't have the luxury of the you know older older brother or sister Mm -hmm. or whatever and like Mm -hmm. you're kind of getting into you know independent stuff Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I presume kind of via your classmates or just kind of like you said, like, I mean, yeah, 120 it, minutes, like yeah, that was, yeah, it was a guy called or MTV uh, headbangers. Ball yeah, it was, it was headbangers ball and yeah, 120 minutes. And, um, my introduction fully to it was, uh, so Nirvana, mm-hmm. uh, we're on, uh, smells like teen spirit was a, a number one, I think, or a top 10 hit at least. Absolutely. In the UK. And, um, 
and I used to watch Top of the Pops. I, I had a div- I was really into music already as a kid. Okay. My my mother is a hip was a, it was a hippie. Sure. And um, German uh, hippie. You don't hear those. Yeah. You don't hear those words usually. Well, she was it. like a one of the sixty eight like student revolution people. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So. Um, and my dad was a jazz aficionado, so we, I grew up in a real musical, musical household. That's cool. So I was, uh, and I, I kind of was listening to the albums like the Joshua Tree and, and and Born to Run and the Tracy Chapman record, like when I was a kid. And I got super into Michael Jackson when I was a kid and Madonna. Sure. And uh, the so pump, was, the pump was primed. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I was already like watching Top of the Pops and having some kind of musical interest. And I remember Nirvana being on it. And it just seems really strange because it's it's actually on one of their DVDs mm-hmm. uh, is footage of them doing Top of the Pops. Oh, so on Top okay. of the Pops, it was miming. It was pre-recorded. Oh, sure. And they had to then mime right. to the song, but live. Sure. So in front of an audience, these bands had to mime. Most bands went along with it. Mm-hmm. Nirvana like, didn't go along with it at all. <laughs> if you dig out that footage, you just see Dave Grohl waving his drumsticks over his head <laughs> through the entire performance. And amazing. Kurt Cobain has the, the mic entirely in his mouth. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives. You know, whether it's like, dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that for one really matter to you and two, Try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp. Because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you. And they can be suited to your schedule. And you fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist. And if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents 
a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And is playing like this sure. with his flat hand. like <laughs> That's amazing. And I was like, who, what is Yeah, this? what is happening? And that song kind of got me. Right. And then this kid from my class was like, if you like this, you'll probably like this, and played me Iron Maiden. Sure. Um, uh, Fear of the Dark. And I got into that real quick. And then very quickly was like, I need more. There's got to be more, more <laughs> yeah. of this. Yeah, and I yeah. just started digging really, really quickly. And sure. within, within a month of kind of finding Nirvana and Iron Maiden, I'd found Metallica, Megadeth, Sepultura, sure. Pantera. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi. I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and it then, was it was all, those bands all on prime albums. So sure, like yeah, the world was Black open. Black album, Vulgar, right? Um, uh, Arise, Chaos AD. Um, so no. it was just like the best time to be getting into that. Stuff. Totally, yeah, yeah. You're hitting all these bands at like their, yeah. their upswing or their apex, right? And then the disco- the new bands coming through were Biohazard on Urban Discipline, right. Doggy Dog, or Borough Kings. Sure, and uh, it, and like Machine Head. Mm-hmm. my eyes uh, and it just seemed like a slayer were doing a divine intervention it just seemed like a really exciting time right treasure trove yeah i was like oh my god yeah this and, is <laughs> yeah. And, it, it would, and i was just in right and it's that like, was it it's like drinking from a fire hose yeah i, I was I, just completely i, I was ir- like irreversibly in right i just i kind of changed the way i dressed and sure you know, just completely adopted it and yeah. that was it yeah yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> the um that was age 13. That was age 13. Yeah. And it did, as you were doing that, how did your, I mean, you know, clearly you said that you, your parents were musical and, uh, you know, your mom being a hippie, like how did they react to all of a sudden you bringing home all this, you know, weirdo art stuff mm-hmm. like that they 
most likely had very little musical understanding mm-hmm. of, and then you started to, you know. Wear- yeah, they did. They my my mum was, uh, you know, she got rock. Right. She was into U2 and Springsteen and stuff like this, Rolling Stones. But, like, obviously the stuff I was getting into was way out there. Yeah. Um, but I remember one family holiday that she still talks about now where <laughs> I didn't want to listen to, like, her music in the car. Mm-hmm. So I made this tape. Oh. Uh, and it was it was said Metal for Mum on it. How kind of you. Written in the Metallica logo. <laughs> of course. And it was like all the soft songs, like the Unforgiven. Sure. Nothing Else Matters. Stuff that my mom will be into. Right. right. F- Fate of Black. Like all the stuff with like <laughs> the nice sort of classical guitar in it. Right. Cemetery Gates, whatever. Sure. Uh, and she sort of tolerated that and was like, oh, yeah, sort of appreciate a musical aspect of it. Right, right. But then like very quickly I started getting into stuff like Fear Factory and... <laughs> You know, yeah. stuff that's like, not really like I can't. Yeah, yeah. There's no. There, this is a bridge too far. Yeah, and it was. It just. And then I, I, uh, I sort of opened a, a death metal box and sure, and and got into death in a big way. The band death. And, yes, uh, and obituary. And, right. And yeah. Stuff it's like not that. like you're going to show. And that. I just like went down a dark <laughs> tunnel with it. <laughs> I love. I I do think that there is uh, like because I, I had that same experience with uh, at least my mother where I was like even you know more so with like the indie rock emo stuff where Mm. it's like I was making her tapes like oh like you know here here's like what mineral sounds like Mm. and it was like uh, that's insane to try to make your parents understand your music from that perspective it's like oh here's Elliot false cathedral she'll probably be into this and it's like no it doesn't like it kind of sounds like the bands that they know but like devoid of context they're just like I don't know what the hell this is yeah and it's like, even though... Yeah, I mean, to my ears, I feel like Elliot should have been oh, Coldplay, to, right? Ex- that's exactly I correct. Don't, I don't understand why <laughs> totally. Elliot aren't Coldplay. Right, this is... But then, obviously, they aren't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, totally. It's like, you're, but then you try. You're, you, as, you know, using your kid logic, you're like, all right, what is, what is the stuff that's going to help my parents understand what I'm into? <laughs> and then yeah. I will try to achieve that in some capacity. Yeah. No, they didn't get it, and uh, <laughs> and the cultural separation was very, very, very quick after that. Like, right, I was the the moody metal teen. Sure, really. sure. And were did you? Uh, you know, you've always struck me for as long as I've known you. Like, you know, you're you're personable. Um, you're not the stereotypical. I mean, I, I say stereotypical because I'm a little child as well. But like, you know, people will label us weird, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we are weird, but mm-hmm. like we can't communicate with people can't look them in the eye like mm-hmm. but you you never struck me as that sort of person no i i'm terrible at small talk okay still now sure um so i'm bad at talking to taxi drivers and hairdressers <laughs> i can't do the gen i'm not very good at the general conversation thing got it um the transactional relationship right. conversation right? yeah yeah but like anyone who i feel like i share some kind of uh cultural fabric with mm-hmm. like even if it's um film tv mm-hmm. i've always had a really avid interest in those as well they kind of developed alongside my musical taste as they do for a lot of people you know sure get into a certain t- kind of show and certain kind of film and stuff and they're all, always fine they're kind of connected and um <clears throat> i've always found that at the minute i can even find a semblance of like oh you watch the sopranos okay cool right you know it doesn't matter if you're if you're into uh Tiesto and mumble rap. Like yes. we can find this one thing to like connect on. <laughs> totally, break, totally. You know? Yeah, that's so, that's yeah. gonna be our bridge. But yeah, I've right. never been like the the sort of you know 
uh, the sort of cliched like super, wallflower, yeah, right? Or, or yeah, awkward in the corner, right? Right, <laughs> not not communicating with anybody. Yeah, yeah. And did you? Uh, I was in bands really early and stuff. I was going to say, so like, yeah. the, you did you as you started to like really dive into the culture? Did you immediately want to like play in bands or was, almost immediately? Yeah. Okay, uh, within. I was in my first band at 14, so I'd gotten into, like, metal in a big way when I was 13. And a year later, I was, like, for, starting to form my Playing guitar, guitar, I presume? Guitar. Yeah, okay, got guitar, it. Guitar, bit of vocal. Um, and, yeah, it was but guitar at first. Okay. Um, and then was playing in awful bands. Just legacy of absolute rubbish, actually. For, sure. For a long As time. one does. Yeah. Um, just shit band after shit band. Right. Um, but... Yeah, I was in in pretty quick. Sure. Yeah. Did you um, did you actually ever release any? Like, did you put out records and Later stuff like that? Life, yeah. Later, so, uh, yeah. So the band I was in, uh, I was in like a bunch of really awful high school bands. Sure. And then uh, then I at, at like sixth form college, mm-hmm. uh, I got I, I formed uh, like a ostensibly a new metal band, really. Okay. Um, but we were sort of taking influence from like. Far beyond driven, but also corn. Sure. And so it was like that kind of early new metal. So it wasn't like the goofy stuff, but sure. Uh, yeah, and a new metal band basically, and um, and then that band morphed into a more into the kind of sound de jour of the early two thousands UK. So okay. Bands like Funeral for, Funeral Friend, for a Friend, of course, Hundred Reasons, Hellish sure. for Heroes, the band that nobody whose whose name nobody really wants to say anymore. Yes. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> yes. That scene, uh, I, I, our band, our new metal band, kind of evolved into one of those. Got it. And so that band was called Hunter Girls, and that was like my serious band. Got it. And like put out records, right? And we put out records. We had a deal. We toured. Sure. Um, we played CBGBs actually for CMJ. Really? Yeah, it's like wow. the one cool thing we did. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah, you always have those things where it's just yeah. like, oh, wow, I guess we did that thing. Like, yeah. yeah. We also played the London Astoria, which is like my favorite venue that uh-huh. ever existed in London. It's demolished now. Yes. I miss it dearly. But we played there. Sadly, it was supporting Alter Bridge. Uh, so not so cool. <laughs> right. But, but was, still, you got to play there. to play on the stage. So I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. So that and CBGBs are like our two crowning things. But we released like two EPs, and okay. an album that was awful. And another album that was better, but it was too late because we'd put out an awful record. Sure, and people had and just on. kind of dwelled in obscurity. Got it. But we came up with um, with Funeral for a Friend mm-hmm. and uh, a bank with Johnny Shruen. Yep. Um, and that was kind of our your scene. Our scene. That's cool. Um, yeah, and the, the, those were the bands that were kind of gigging together. Right. And then a lot of those people from those bands are now people who are colleagues of mine right exactly so like ollie the singer of johnny truant is the yep. uh, label boss for for unified over here mm-hmm. and uh, ryan who played drums in funeral for friend is a manager of a bunch of cool bands and right so we're all kind of we've come up together and now we're kind of in in the behind the scenes together right well i mean a lot a lot of those people too where it's like you know they were i mean obviously ollie was kind of the business person of johnny truant and i was the business person of my band right exactly so were you were did you kind of immediately take to that business aspect of the band i uh yeah i i was you know whether it's being bossy or whatever sure um, (laughs) i just kind of i think of it as proactive Sure. Yeah. Right. So, Someone's got to do yeah. it. Someone's got to do it. And I just kind of naturally took that role. Okay. And was like, we should do this. We should do this. 
we should record these songs, we sure. should have this rehearsal, you know. Um, and I was always kind of pushing it forward. Let's shoot a music video. Let's, you know, let's get these four songs and go to a studio and record them. And, right. and let's play some shows. And I was the one, like, networking <laughs> via MSN Messenger. Oh, nice, yes. Uh, back in those days. Back in those days, uh, yeah. Even before MySpace. We sure. Didn't, we didn't even have a MySpace page. My band had a MySpace page like right at the end of our right. time. That was it. Was just coming up. It was just coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, you had to use like whether it was. So we were using like MSN. So we had yeah. a we had a, a website with a bulletin board, like a one of those. Oh sure, B2B like two B. Yeah, GeoCities yeah. or Angel Fire that all we had that. here in the states. Yeah, yeah exactly. We had all that, and um, and then we had an MSN. <laughs> yeah, and we all put all like our email addresses in our MSN addresses inside like our, our demos and our sure. singles and then we would all like add each other on MSN right and you'd be and able to correspond like, with and, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Would, we would correspond with other bands and then we started to gig trade and that's how that was kind of right yeah. so I was talking to people like Ollie who was in charge of Truant sure I, me and Ollie actually went to sick form together so we we, we know uh, each other like really what did well. you what did you study in school um, so in school, there's mandatory subjects. So right. in, in the English school system, you have to do um, you have to do a language, you have to do okay uh, science, you have to do maths, you have to do English. I think they, I mean, basically, kind of your prerequisites. That's yeah. what they call in the states. You have, yeah. yeah, you have to do those, and then you get like you can specialize um, in five chosen areas. Oh, okay. so I did design art. <laughs> I did design technology, design <laughs> communication, <laughs> art. Um, it's like everything that could be like right yeah. next to each other. Yeah. Like English, so closely related. Yeah, English literature. And okay. like I, it was all like those kind of. Yeah. Sure. The creative arts. Yeah. And then the creative arts. Yeah. yeah. And then I went and, and then I did A levels at sixth form and I did. Uh, I I've did. never heard that term. Sick form. Yeah. So it's. When do you guys graduate high school? 18? Yeah. Yeah. And so we graduate we go- high school at 16. Oh, and then we go on to what we call college, which is two more years of higher education. So okay, it's called sixth form. Okay, and is so it, and that's before university. It's before university. Oh. So what you call college, we call university. So you essentially go to like if you're breaking it down to simplest of terms, you kind of go to like six years of college, where like I mean, you college, yeah. university, or whatever. Yeah. Whereas like we technically go to four right. after. So oh. we do we do five years of secondary education okay then we do two years of uh sixth form education and then three years of university wow so it's okay. gcse's is the grade you do at a le- uh, 16 okay then you do a levels until you're 18 okay and then you do a degree your <clears throat> bachelor's your bachelor's wow yeah. okay i did not know yeah. that wow yeah that, right so ollie and i were at college together okay so when we were like 18 sure yeah okay got it all right i actually got ollie into metal spectacular yeah. what was he into before uh indie in sure yeah. okay that makes Brit- sense he was a big brit rock kid of so course he, he was big on oasis he went to nebworth and all that kind of stuff. i was gonna say because it, it seems like there's two really distinct paths as a uk independent music kid. absolutely it's it's metal or it's indie <laughs> right like you either get a one into one of two things and that's kind of it yeah that's kind of it we're like there's i mean in america obviously there was especially geographically had all these yeah pockets like, totally but for us, it's it was literally like it was though it was genre based right. more than um, region based. Right, right, right. Um, and so you're just kind of assimilating 
the music, the domestic scene and the international scenes and whatever, and you're just kind of like, oh, right. I like this. You either get yeah, your Jinkos or your Fred Perry shirt. Right. Right, right. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and never, the, never the two shall meet. Yeah, I had my DMs and everyone had their Adidas campus or whatever. Yeah, that's right, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and that was kind of the scene, and, like, Ollie was big into, like, Blur, Oasis, Supergrass, Sway. Sure, right, and right. All, and I hated all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I then later in life got like yeah, a nostalgic appreciation for Oasis. Now I actually really like that Oasis stuff. Of course. Because it reminds me of, of that time college. and place. It reminds me of the time and place. <laughs> and it now sounds way edgier to me yeah. than it did at that point in time. Yeah, it was soft back then. Yeah, right? back then because <laughs> I was into Sepultura and Deicide or whatever, I was like, fuck this. Yeah, you're like, this is, this is terrible. He's but yeah, like- so he was really into that, but he was also into skateboarding. Okay. And I was like, oh, you'd like the Deftones because yeah. Chino looks like a, he Skater. skateboards. Absolutely. Right? And so I kind of got him in, I brought him into Deftones right. uh, through the kind of aesthetic of it. Got it. And then but he got hooked on that and then liked the Deftones and then Deftones toured with Wilhaven and we went to that and yeah, he started got Wilhaven to... and he just... Yeah, 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 yeah. But then Ollie later in life... Uh, a few years later, returned the favor. He spent a summer out in Boston. Okay. As bands like Botch, Dillinger, oh. Converge were breaking through. Yep. Pre-internet. Sure. So I hear. we did not know who any of these bands were. Here's your lifeline. So he yeah. came back from this summer in Boston and was like, I present to you, Botch, Cave-In, Converge. <laughs> yeah. The starter, know, the starter pack. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, holy fucking shit. I've like never heard anything like that. Yeah. Like, but I had my head blown off all over again. Like sure. Hearing band, or hearing that scene of bands, that kind of art. Totally. Art, arty hard. Yeah, band, yeah. The, the Boston stuff. Absolutely. And then you have the mass metalcore, you know, all that stuff. Totally, yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's incredible. You're like, wow, it. I can't believe this is... Shit. It's like this whole other world. That's amazing. So yeah, he, can re- he returns yeah, the Yeah, ret- every, everybody yeah. does return the favor at yeah. some point, yeah. yeah. yeah it was awesome. The, um, and so, I mean, because you were interested in the, the, the sort of, you know, machinations of you know putting together a band booking shows and all that sort of stuff was that always kind of like your vision you were like i gotta work in music no matter what or was that just i wanted kinda... to, i wanted to be a journalist okay that was my thing so i was doing i i, uh, I know you said you were doing zines yeah so. i was doing zines and um english was my forte my dad was an english professor and uh and so i've always been uh had a, a better mastery of the written word than mm-hmm. spoken sure I've, I've, uh, to the point where often when I would like write essays or articles or whatever, I would uh, have a vocabulary that I, I wasn't sure where it was even coming from. Right. And I would have to like check myself. Like, do, is that the right word? Yeah. Like, why do I know these words? <laughs> totally. I don't know. I just kind of picked it up. I, was a, I, I read a lot as a kid and, yep. and, and I just kind of had this, the, the written word was how I best expressed myself. Sure. Um, uh, because I'd picked up all sorts of slang and stuff at school, college, whatever. So I'd picked up a kind of Southern English tongue. Okay. And you drop letters and... Sure. You say letters. Letters, yeah, yeah. Letters or whatever. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and, and so writing was my thing and uh, I was writing zines and I had this kind of... Uh, my career arc in my mind was that I was going to write for a magazine. Sure. Uh, and I had this romantic idea of a sort of bustling music journalist. Yeah. uh, yeah. Sort of almost famous. Sure. That was what was in my head. Get set on the road right now. Yeah. I hadn't seen almost famous yet, but (laughs) that was uh, the vision. That was the vision. I I thought I was going to be that kid. Sure. Oh yeah. 
you're going to be like this. It's going to be like this exciting music journalist thing, and you're going to call him, and be like, "Yeah, man, I'm on tour with whatever band. Like, sure. I'm writing this article." You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was kind of what I thought my life was going to be, and then sure. I was going to sort of write for Rolling Stone or whatever. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you that, these targets, and right. it seemed this like grandiose thing. I would write for Kerrang or whatever. Exactly. And then you know you get there and you start writing for these magazines as a freelancer, and you realize that they pay you in right. sort of a lot of the time. You you earn monkey nuts and whatever and it's not actually a sustainable <laughs> career a lot of the time unless you can really get up there in the editorial positions sure um and so i had to kind of um not that i would do, was just doing it for the money but the realities of life set in of know. course yeah you got to adjust it or it's just yeah. like oh okay yeah. yeah so i can't actually afford to live an adult life away from my parental home yep. whilst just being a freelance journalist as much as I love it. Right. So I need to find an additional job. Sure. And so uh, this was like 2005 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that I did an, a, an internship scheme at Warner's. Okay. Uh, Warner's in London used to do this thing called the Warner Graduate Scheme okay, um, where people who were interested in working in music mm-hmm. would apply and there were like rounds Oh, okay. and then eventually there was like a sort of, you know, pot of gold at the end of like, right. you might get a job at Warner. <laughs> right, totally. And so I kind of went through this system and um, ended up doing essentially an extended internship right. in the publicity department at, um, at Warner. And uh, that's when I was like, okay, so in, in publicity, you can kind of do creative writing, mm-hmm. which is what I'm good at. Right. But there's a, a sort of more competitive pay scale where you can actually maybe turn it into a career. Exactly. So I thought, I'll start, I'll, I'll do that. I'll be a publicist, and on the side, I'll still be a freelance writer, which is kind of Yeah, like, you'll be able to do both. Yeah, I'll be yeah. able to do both. Like, there's no conflict there, right? right, right. As long as None. you're not publicizing the bands you're writing about, right, it's fine. You'll be fine. So that was my my choice to do that, and um, and through being at this internship, I got access to a few sort of job internal industry job postings sure. that you wouldn't normally see if you weren't there. Right. So I wrote from an At Atlantic Records or At Warner Music or something email address, right. and applied for this job that was uh, for a rock specialist publicist at, okay. a, at a London publicity company. Because he saw that my right email your email address, address right. Like, oh, I gotta listen to this guy. Oh yeah. Oh, this guy. Like he wants to leave his major label PR job and come to my company. Great. Yeah. And somehow I blagged my way through it, got an interview, and he gave me the job. I had literally no idea what I was doing at all. Sure. Zero. Day one went in, and he was like, "Right, there's your computer. Like, here's your client list. Go." And right. I was like, "Sure." Sure. Let's then, figure this out. And then I, I waited until he went to, to lunch. Yeah. And then the other guy in the office, I was just like, dude, what is this job? Like, what do you do? <laughs> right. And, uh, and he was like, oh, just find bands, try and get them pressed, right? And I was like, okay. So I say, okay, I sort of get that. Right. I've, as a journalist, have received press releases and I get it. <laughs> right. right. So I can just kind of figure it out. Okay. So it's just the flip side of it. So instead of, receiving the press release i'm sending the press release. you're sending it sure right. and so that's where i started with it and then they were like that i got assigned mxpx okay so we had a, an account with sidewind dummy and i got assigned an mxps i think it was an mxpx live album okay tour that they were doing mm-hmm. in the mid 2000s and so i worked that 
And then they were like, you should really start bringing in clients. Because it was on my business card, it said senior publicist. <laughs> yeah, you're like, there's, no, there's nothing senior about I'd literally me. been in my band, <laughs> written for Terrorizer, Roxanne, Metal Hammer, and yeah. then was like a senior publicist. Right. No clue. Uh, but they were like, oh, you know, you can bring in some bands from like your local area or whatever. So I was right. like, okay. So um, I went to see... Johnny Truant mm-hmm. and their support band was Architects sure uh, who were called Counting the Days at the time and uh, I was completely like floored mm-hmm. by them um, and then they changed their name to Architects and was suddenly like even better mm-hmm. um, and I just said I, I met one of the guys I met the, Tim their former guitarist yep um and these were all the kids that had come to my band's shows. Sure. They so were the they younger were the, generation, yeah, right? they were the next generation who we, me and Ollie knew them from Johnny Truant, Heidi McGirl's shows, whatever. They were the kids in the crowd who were a bit more precocious than the other kids. Sure. They Makes would come sense. up to us and be like, hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Yeah. 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 So they were like the, the, the kids that we knew. And, and I just said, to, I bumped into Tim about two weeks after I'd started at this company. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're... Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. 
Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Takes right. You're putting out a release? And he was like, yeah, we're just gearing up for our first release. And I was like, I'll do your publicity for free. Sure. And, uh, and the label that was putting it out, a little UK label called In at the Deep End, mm-hmm. they had like a go-to publicist. But because I said I would do it for free. Oh, yeah. Who's going to say no to that? They, they were like, sure. <laughs> so I got given the campaign for Nightmares. Mm-hmm. This is pre-Sam. So it's the old vocalist. Sure. And I did the, P- the press... Uh, the press campaign for the Architects Nightmares. Uh, and then, because they were from Brighton, right. h- hung out a bunch. Sure. And uh, we just kind of bonded and meshed. Right, and started building it up from there. Building up the relationship. And then Matt left after a year, Sam joined. And then, at that point, I was doing so much stuff, they were just calling me. They were 17. Sure. 17, 18. Mm-hmm. They were calling me and being like, so the press campaign was going really well. We were getting like full page features in Kerrang, like specialist press stuff, like features on Dan, unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. features on Tom in guitar magazines. Like, it yeah, was, people were desiring to cover them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was like, the, here's, here's a bunch of 17 year olds who sure. sound like the Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah, yeah, we're all like, in. We're yeah, all in. The story writes itself. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> they were wondering what to do with it. Like, can we get free guitars with this stuff? So I was like, <laughs> I'll try. So I called ESP and right. made these kind of connections. And didn't, you, were, you were, yeah, you were managing the band without even knowing. I it. didn't even think that that's what I was doing. I totally. wasn't even trying to do it. I didn't even know what a manager does really. Sure. I had no, I, at this point in time, I still thought I'm just doing PR until I can finally get a job as a, an right. editor. Totally. That was still my long-term goal. Sure. Sure. To still be a journalist. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And then before I knew it, I was, you know, somehow had ended up architects kind of officially appointed me as manager <laughs> right in 2007 they were like well i guess you're a manager i was like i guess yeah yeah you know, sure it was all just okay whatever yeah like really casual of uh, course non-formal handshake deal yeah yeah and then obviously century media got involved and then 
suddenly I was like, I guess I'm really doing this. Right. I guess um, I'm, I'm in this. Yeah. And then uh, Metal Hammer, who I was writing for, flagged that it was a conflict of interest for me to be working like a profile band mm-hmm. um, who were touring with bands like Misery Signals and Every Time I Die and right. bands that t- like Metal Hammer would cover. Would cover, sure. And that, you know, I couldn't really do... The journalistic a, integrity yeah. was in question. Right. Yeah. And I had to basically pick a lane. Right. And, um, and I was like, well, this architect's thing seems like it's going well. And they're my friends. And yeah. let's do that. Let's stick with them. Right. So I stuck with architects. And, and that's where my career started. That, yeah. That's where the management yeah, stuff. That's where it started. In the, uh, you know, I mean, you, you obviously worked with them in a variety of different bands yeah. as you were, you were coming up. The thing I wanted to, you know, hit on was the fact that it's like you... At, you know, management is such a tough game, yeah. <clears throat> especially when you're working it with, you know, friends and people you trust. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously at one point, you know, architects, you know, you, you yeah, guys stopped working. Yeah. T- exactly. Yeah. You stopped working together. Um, the, you know, the, the idea that, um, you know, you have to kind of like pick yourself up and kind of hustle your way out of these setbacks mm-hmm. um, in ways that, you know, you can't, you don't really do it publicly. You know, no. you kind of just are like, all right, well, I'm going to move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure it was a huge struggle for you. Oh yeah. Lo- I mean, losing architects, uh, was, that was, uh, it was like the worst thing that had happened to me at that sure. point in time, but also like the best, it, in, it's one of those things where in hindsight, I look back on it mm-hmm. at the time. I felt very raw about it. Of course. I felt like I'd been screwed. Totally. I felt like my friends had screwed me Yep. and, uh, I, I was bitter about it. Uh, I was upset, obviously, and mm-hmm. just sad to not be involved as well. Like of I liked working with them. They, you were so deeply involved. Yeah, with it. yeah. I was with them for four and a half years. Yeah, and we and because we lived in the same town as well, you know, <laughs> right. hung out. Yeah, it, it was like a. It was really like I would put that one is up there with like a romantic breakup. Of course, like it's that it was that kind of like I lost. I felt like I, I lost a part of my uh, sort of. Identity, identity, in a way. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my social structure, it, right? It was like, oh, well, architect's going to be there. Oh, you know, can't hang out with my friends anymore. We had like, sure, you know, and that wasn't the case. I wasn't cast out of any friendship group, but that's how it, no, how, that's how it, it felt f- to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I, uh, I had to really step back at that point and go like, do I want to do this? Right, right. The cri- the crisis yeah. of like the, that fork in the road moment. Yeah, like, am I going to carry on doing this for other bands? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I decided yes, but it was a, it was soul searching. And, right. uh, now I look back on it and I 100% understand why they moved on. I totally get it. Sure. I understand. I actually understand that it must've been really a hard decision to make. Sure. That it was, must've been a bummer for them to have to do it. To arrive at that conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and I get that I couldn't have actually taken them at that point in my career without losing architects. I couldn't become a better manager and so losing architects was actually the best thing that happened for me sure because it made me reassess it's like what are the things that i did wrong what were my shortcomings Mm -hmm. and before that i was just like on this ride with them you know the band was going up and up and up and up and we were just figuring it out they were figuring out i was figuring it out we were just like what's going on i don't know it's cool (laughs) yeah it's it's happening whatever you know um and then that made me for the first time really critically assess like do i want to do this job right do i actually enjoy it and if i uh, i'm going to work with other bands <clears throat> um what 
things do I do differently? Right, right. And so it was that separation from architects that made me start to see it as a... Um, see the, the professional boundaries of it. Right, yeah, yeah, you know? totally. And But it's always, like, you're always learning it. Like, and it, each client is different, you know. I, for a while, I tried to be like, okay, I'm never getting that deep in the fabric of the friendship again. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that again. Sure. To finish your thought of, of the, the you, were, you were trying to have the, you know, the professional boundaries. Yeah, I, I tried to, like, really install these hard professional boundaries, and I was like, I'm going to protect myself emotionally and almost treat it like a nine to five. Yeah. Um, and, and not get so exposed that I can, I can have my feelings hurt. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and that, you know what, it just didn't work. And, um, I'm an all in kind of person, I guess. Right. And I just had to like, I'm going to weave myself into no matter what. Right. And so I just had to figure out what the best balance is of like, personable enough and involved enough so that it's fun for everybody and that the best aspects of what I think my strengths are as a manager are all related to creative thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have to really get involved with the band to get to that level of creative thinking, creative trust where I can actually like suggest things for a mix or songwriting or artwork or Mm -hmm. conceptual or album titles or whatever like yeah those kinds of like things that are close to the artist that traditionally like you wouldn't think a manager is maybe getting involved in that stuff i do get really involved in that stuff right you're deep and, into it yeah. right i'm deep into it and just had to find a balance of not crossing the line where you lose the authority i guess yeah yeah um but you're still personable Sure. And so that t- it's taken me a few years to figure out that balance. Right. But I think ultimately it comes down to not just don't be on tour. Sure. That tends to be, I, th- I think my most effective thing if I don't tour with the band. Right. Uh, and I just go to like a few shows. Yeah. 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 That keeps the balance good for healthy, both, for healthy and for both parties. Right. We should, we're, we're always in positive environments together. Right. right. <laughs> we're not like, you know, I toured with architects, you know, and we saw each other on, good days bad days right everything in between everything in between and and i think i just kind of i think where where a lot of that went wrong aside from like you know my own network limitations because i was a first-time manager Mm -hmm. um i didn't have the literally didn't have the ability right at that point to take them to the next level sure yeah yeah Um, i just didn't have it right yeah Um, my resources are tapped yeah Yeah, yeah i was tapped out Sure. And they were absolutely right to, to move on from me. I yeah, think. yeah. You You're know, like, I, I don't blame them, right? Oh, 100% not. <laughs> like, uh, you know, and that's not even like being retrospectively phil- philosophical. Like, I was okay with it after a year or so. Right, like, yeah. I, I came, you were able to keep Yeah, I yeah. really came to terms with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's and now I'm, I'm like, I'm still remain like their biggest fan. I think they're one of the best bands oh, absolutely. around. Like, not just in the UK. I really think they're, they're one of the best metal bands around and and to just have been a part of their fabric i feel very privileged of course yeah there's a sense of pride about that they Mm -hmm. have a real sense of pride about it and and uh and they made me as much as anything else Uh, sure my mum likes to be like oh you really set them on their way and i'm like yeah i don't know yeah they set me on my way though totally yeah for sure you both helped each other out i definitely wouldn't be doing the job in the way that I do it and, and have the strengths that 
I feel I have if I hadn't have worked with them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's it's specifically them. Totally, you, you totally. Know how they are, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, the last two things I want to hit on were so you know now because you've been working with um, you know neck deep mm-hmm. for you know a couple God, years. It's been three, four years now. Longer, longer, six. 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 Okay. For some reason it seems like shorter time to me, but the, <laughs> so, but you know, because you, I mean, you, you were working with them at their, you know, not the, show, right. At their, their, their infancy yep. and then watching something grow quickly like this, you know, how, uh, I mean, you know, similar, I'm uh, not, not exact same trajectory as obviously architects, but like, you know, similar. you were, you were on a, you were on a rise with them similar. as well. How, but you know, now that you're coming at it with a, you know, uh, more perspective mm-hmm. on, how to handle a band like that and your, you know, your contacts are larger and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But how do you make sure that, that like the band and yourself kind of doesn't get burnt out because that's a real, well, I mean, burnout for, for, for them is it, it does happen. Okay. Um, they tour a lot. They do. Um, they tour hard, uh, all the time. Uh, I think they've been on the road for six years, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Um, little bits of time off here and there but ostensibly they have been touring non-stop and i don't think people fully realize how much they have been touring <laughs> yeah and uh and i mean it's you know a lot of their contemporaries are in the same boat mm-hmm. what it is to be in a band in 2018 is to do it like this right you know the the economy of our business is not what it was yep and uh therefore you have to be grinding and grinding and grinding. Even a successful band right. is touring like a DIY hardcore band. It's true. Uh, yeah, there's know, no stopping, right? Maybe you're, you know, obviously there's certain luxuries that come along like nightliners or whatever, but um, you, you, hotels instead of floors, but the schedule, you know. Remains the same. Remains the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not getting just about now, I think, Nick Deep is maybe hopefully i think reaching a point where they can sit back a little bit and enjoy their lives sure a little bit because i yeah. think they have they've been working on their band and building their um their fan base and building their reputation and whatever um more than they've been doing anything else mm-hmm. for the last six years right and so you do have to be sensitive to it and to you know it becomes quite easy to for the you know the team that we have now when Nick Deep started it was me and them right and now it's like 20 people mm-hmm. or whatever that work for the band right and I'm still the closest me and their tour manager are like the closest connection sure um, we're still the same two people from the early days right uh, and that's like the core and then there's these layers of teams and whatever and mm-hmm. it's very easy for people to just kind of start seeing it as like an entity Mm-hmm. neck deep will do this 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 sure and it's it's a matter of priority for me personally to always remember that they are human beings yeah and, um, <laughs> and that's yeah, tough and that's tough a lot of people yeah. don't yeah like you said they and, they view it as an entity it's this yeah and i'm often the person fighting the corner of the human beings right. being like hey we should consider this yeah let's consider the realistic aspect of of what we're asking here mm-hmm you know? Let's try and remember that these are people, mm-hmm. that they've been doing this for <laughs> this block of time. Right. And it's uh, unrealistic mm-hmm. that they're going to be able to then do this and then this. And I try and keep all that stuff in mind. It's, it is hard, you know, in 2018 with the industry being what it is to um, 
to balance co- good commerce mm-hmm. with being they reasonable. need to actually yeah to being yeah. reasonable and for, they need to be able to enjoy their lives right they're not in a band to just be on a treadmill they'll right? be on a treadmill forever <laughs> yeah. they need to like enjoy the fruits of their labor they're a successful a successful band to mm-hmm. a certain point absolutely and they should be able to like go home and appreciate that and mm-hmm. be with their families and friends and go oh Oh, this is life. This is life. It's yeah. nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than just like here I am in a venue again. Here's here's the fifth time in Chicago in two right. years. Yeah. Right, and people have <laughs> a funny, a skewed perception. I, I think now more than any other time, there's a, a a seriously skewed perception of of how glamorous it is to be in a band. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe an equivalent of Neck Deep twenty years ago at this point in their career is probably Blink on Enema of the State. And it probably is a much more luxurious, glamorous, mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood, yeah, rock and roll lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That now is not glamorous. Right. It's touring all of the time, still mm-hmm. all of the time. Totally. You've got a top five album twice in a, a row. <clears throat> they've had top tens mm-hmm. in two countries: America and the US, uh, America and the UK. Right. Top ten album in 2015. Top five album in 2017 right and they're still having to like this year alone they did four months back to back right you know that's what you have to do yeah and uh, (laughs) but no i mean but i I do to your point i really like the idea of just the the notion that it's like you you can grind a band to a nub you can and i've everyone's i've seen it happen a lot right especially especially from from our community you Mm -hmm. know it's a uk band blowing up is still rare right it's not you know it's like strike while the iron's hot we got to get this get in and get out it still it happens more now than ever you know bring me the horizon all credit to them like kick the doors wide open for our for our scene and yep um no end of good things have come to to us as a result of of bring me the horizon's kind of trailblazing absolutely you know we get taken as a country producing young bands get taken more seriously now absolutely um because of them yep uh, and maybe gallows sure you know i think uh, on a maybe a lesser degree but yeah yeah but still know, right. certainly those two bands i think pioneered some stuff for us and um yeah i've but you've i've seen many bands just try and jump on it mm-hmm. and just grind out, burn out. Totally. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you get a, you get a good year or two in and then it's just, yeah, then it's like people are yeah, pushed Bosh, what happened to them? Yeah. You know? Totally. Um, some bands, uh, you know, you're like, do, are they still a band? Right. You know? Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, we've been on tour for seven months. You're like, yeah. oh, I just, well, oh, okay. Sorry. Right. We'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But yeah, it's a, you, you, you do have to remember that, um, the human aspect. Yeah, of it. I think the human that, aspect, and 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 I always do try, and I try to not ever dehumanize the artist. Ever. Yeah, yeah. No, it's remember re- that they're people. It's extremely important. Um, and the 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 last thing, this, I mean, I guess you could call this a more philosophical thing, but the, um, so you know, I mean, you you are like me in your late thirties, mm-hmm. and you know, the idea that you are staying in touch with a youth culture, yeah is one of those things hey, where kids <laughs> and it's like that you know that notion of knowing what like a 16 year old kid is like into 
is, you know, it, like that's difficult to grasp, it obviously, is. as you get older. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, so like, I guess, how do you kind of wrap your head around that as you continue to, you know, pick up new bands and work in management and do all this stuff? Like, how does that kind of grapple? So I use my bands, actually, as uh, sort of translators sure. for me a lot of the time. Like, I mean, I, I love pop culture. Of I'm, course, like, right. The, I'm a, that, that will, that, I'm like, the you caring about that. I'm a fan of pop culture. I am, right. I love it. Right. You know, I love um, TV shows and movies and uh, comic books and bands and stuff. And I avidly, as a, a fan, keep abreast yeah keep stuff of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right you know i i get super into westworld and right handmaid's tale and whatever like that's my current obsessions Mm -hmm. and um i love discovering new bands i love new music and as much as i love old you know the old classics yeah yeah. um and i'm still so just being kind of in touch with and, and and sort of obsessed with pop culture right keeps you fluid in some stuff but it's really the internet discourse that becomes very alien very quickly. <laughs> yeah. You start feeling like you're literally a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> yes. Um, you open up Twitter one day and you're like, what hmm. did I miss? Yeah, well, what's that? There's a whole language today <laughs> that w- didn't exist yesterday. Right. And you know, and my bands tend to be um, in that world still. Mm-hmm. And so when I notice a trend... I have a few go-to members <laughs> right? Like, where I'm like, can you translate this? What does this mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> Patty from as it is. Sure. Comes from an, an internet background. So he's pretty good with that stuff. Right. And so, um, and he, he, I'll be like, Hey Patty, what does spill the tea mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. But you- like often, even for them, um, they'll have to ask their fans at like, signing sessions and stuff and like hangouts with fans. They'll be like, what does that mean? Totally. (laughs) And it's, so it is, it is, it's a, it's a whole, it's, it's it's, crazy. It's so crazy. It's so fast moving. Um, you know, I'll just get to grips with like what a meme is. Right. And then it'll be like memes. Yeah. God, granddad. I'm like (laughs) great granddad to you. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And what, what, what continually amazes me too, is that like, you can find, you know, when I say corners of the internet, mm-hmm. it, it, Oh yeah. You can go down rabbit holes. But, and, but then you're just like, Oh wow. Like this, this artist has 175 million views in a video. And like, I've never heard of it, oh. nor is like, has that broken to mainstream culture at all? And you're just like, Oh, I guess that. Oh that, yeah. Yeah. The first time I heard of 21 pilots, they were apparently the biggest band <laughs> in the entire world. Totally. I was like, Oh, Oh, oh wow. Uh, yeah, I just heard of them and right. they're literally like <laughs> yeah. an arena headliner. When did that happen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and, and there's that whole sort of SoundCloud yeah. rapper scene and stuff. Uh, and I mean, YouTube, the, the YouTuber phenomenon, that was yeah. the whole thing. Totally. Like it was literally, that was one of my first, you know, that the YouTuber thing was one of my first realizations that I was an aged out. I was starting to age out of certain youth culture movements. Like, <laughs> that things were happening that I was no longer like on the crest of right. Actively participating in right up until then I felt like I was, you know, yes or sure. Some stuff that happens, you're like, Oh, what's that? Oh, okay. That's that. Right. But I was relatively in tune with stuff, but, um, it was when I took on as it is. Yeah. Um, so that was like a year after Nick deep Mm -hmm. and they were the, the second band I brought into 
K-Management, where, where I've mm-hmm. been for the last four odd years, whatever. Right. Um, they were the second band I brought in. And when I had my meeting with them, um, it was with their guitarist, Ben, and he said, we just need to like check that you want to work with us because you like the band and not because Pat is a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's a YouTuber? a YouTuber? Right. <laughs> yeah. And that was like this sort of moment of like, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. I, like I genuinely do not know what that is. Right. And that I learned through them about this whole culture and all sure. that sort of stuff. And I still don't understand what it is. And, the, and but I mean, but, that's but a, I, I was like, oh, okay, that's a thing. Right. Right. But that, but that won you their affection. Right. Because they're like, oh yeah, this guy yeah. actually likes us. Right. Right. Exactly. And then since then, <laughs> I feel like since that kind of opening the floodgates of like what's a YouTuber, right? There's been so many instances of that. Like, what's a SoundCloud rapper? What's this? What's this? Totally, it's happening. Culture is like accelerated. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always lamenting like an, an old granddad about the loss of the monoculture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I I miss the water cooler. <laughs> totally, the, you know, you miss the communal experience of like right, the communal. Oh, that right. TV thing happened last night and everyone's talking about remember it. Remember when everyone watched 24 and Lost? And yeah, we all yeah. just kind of accepted that those shows were not really that great, but, but they were the best things on TV. So absolutely. we'll just get into them and talk about them all the time. <laughs> right. And now you have a show, you know, you have these series, you have so many series and so many movies, like all of the time, so many albums. Yeah. I don't know. So, can someone keep a database of it? That'd be great. You right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, which, can, can we, can we agree on this thing that we, that, that, I mean, that's why it's like, you know, why people obviously flock to sports now, because right. it's like, that is really the it's only still a communi- monoculture. Exactly. It's the, it's the only one. You cannot avoid yeah. that. You're going to care yeah. about this thing. Yeah. And, and, and that's that, that it's still, yeah, it's absolutely still within sports, but, uh, with it, uh, everything else, like, I'll be like, oh my god, Westworld's the best thing ever, and then I mm-hmm. can't find anyone that watches it. Right, right. You know? yeah. Um, You're like, oh, I've heard of it. I know it's on HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and and people, yeah, I, I often find a lot of really frustrating conversations actually, where I'm like, do you watch this? And they go, no. Do you watch this? And they go, no. Do you watch this? And you're, yeah, you're like five minutes later. Five well. minutes later. Well, I guess we don't watch any of the same things or like any of the same bands. <laughs> right. You know, and I miss that kind of thing of like. Oh my oh, god! Did you, you see into- last night's whatever? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's definitely something that makes me feel old. The death of the monoculture. I've yeah, kind of had yeah. to really accept that that is gone, right? And yeah. that culture moves at like a, a, the speed of light now, right? You know. And, and I mean, on the flip side of that, though, is that there really is no like late to the party. Right. There's no, no there's no such people. Thing. People can dive into you know like get obsessed with bands from. 20 to 30 years ago mm-hmm. and like obviously have no way of actually connecting with connecting with that band live or whatever or connecting with that TV show mm-hmm. people can you know just become so well versed at that and be like yeah I'm going to do a, a podcast where I summarize every episode of the Golden Girls right okay yeah sure and uh, and and now like uh, you know yours and I's t-shirt collections yeah are like worth a lot of money yeah <laughs> And totally. I threw all mine <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're in like, well, like a thrift store years ago. I was absolutely. like, oh, well, these don't fit me anymore. Yeah. Or like a pile of blue grape shirts, like as high as this room. Yeah. Through them all. Like, and yeah, we don't I'm need like, those anymore. Oh, they're worth oh. like $200 plus a piece. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I look at these, I look at these like crazy Instagram accounts, yeah. And I'm like, I had all of these shirts. <laughs> yeah you're like oh wow i get like i I didn't think anybody was going to care about this like absolutely irrelevant band and you know what i love is that the cool guy now 
looks like me at 15. <laughs> it warms the cockles of my heart, man. Yeah, yeah, you're the, like... The J, yeah. the J and Silent Bob, the J look. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I looked at 15. Yeah, you're like, dude, I was just ahead of, way ahead of the curve. Yeah. I was like, at least 20 years ahead of the curve. Yeah, at least. <laughs> if not more, who knows? In 40 years, I could look even cooler. <laughs> well, dude, this has been awesome. Thank yeah, you so man. much for ha- hanging Pleasure. out. There we go with Leander. Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And it was a uh, fun chat because I, uh, there, and you'll recognize this, you know, as you get older, where you meet people in different stages of their life, different ages, it's uh, sometimes it, it feels a little insurmountable to be like, oh, wow. So, you know, here I am, I'm like 38 years old. And if I meet a person, who's also like, you know, I haven't known them at all until I meet them this year. And they're like 27 years old. I'm like, man, I got to like download 20 some odd years of information about them. And, you know, kind of, and it's just through their, uh, lens as opposed to people you've, you know, played in bands with since you were 15 years old and whatever. So it's, it's an interesting relationship. And anyways, I bring that up because, you know, Leander I've known for a while, but it was nice to be able to get into some of his, uh, origin story stuff. So, that's that. And uh, next week is a big one. Big one for me. Aaron Harris, the drummer of ISIS, which I now I have to put in parentheses, ISIS, the band, not the terrorist organization, which is absolutely sad that I have to do that. But, um, you know, that's the world we live in now. But uh, yeah, Aaron, uh, I got connected to him via like his old publicist that she was like, you need to speak to Aaron because I know that you really like the band and Aaron is a great guy. And it was, man, it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it because ISIS is frankly one of my favorite bands, uh, probably top 10 of all time. And I've seen them so many times. I can't even begin to mention how many times because it's, well, actually I do in the interview, but anyways, that's what's happening next week. And, uh, until then be safe, everybody and enjoy your, uh, hopefully your labor day off. Okay, bye. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. I'm Bob Roth, host of the new podcast, Stay Calm. Meditation changed my life in college, and I've spent the last 50 years teaching people about the benefits of meditation from celebrity clients to students in inner city schools. And now I'm sharing a lot of what I know straight to your ears in my new podcast. Join me every Monday through Friday morning. All you need is a few minutes and an open mind. Listen and subscribe to Stay Calm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.